Bienvenidos, I'm your host Lore, and this is Creepy Chisme. Warning, some stories and information on Creepy Chisme may be triggering and are not suitable for all, especially young children. Please listen with caution. Thank you. Welcome back to another episode of Creepy Chisme. Hey y'all. Um, it has been the craziest week, but I don't want to skip a week. I want to hang out with mi gente. So I have some updates for you, alright? But first of all, can we say happy fall? Who's excited? Ooh, ooh, ooh. I am. <laughs> I absolutely love the fall. Lately, I'm feeling very brave. Yeah, I don't know how to explain it. <laughs> Doing things they've never done before. Um, meeting strangers. <laughs> but like, I don't know. It's it's just, I don't know. I have this like feeling of like, not that I'm not scared of anything, but it's like, what have you got to lose, girl? You know? What have you got to lose? Just go do it or go see them or go whatever, you know? So I hope that continues for the rest of my year because things got to change, you know? I was going somewhere with that and now I'm lost, so maybe I'll remember later. But yes, it is fall. I love fall. Just puts, oh, (laughs) that's what I was talking about. It just puts me in a good mood, you know? Changes my mood completely. And people might get upset at me, but like, I love the winter too. I love winter. I love being cozy at home, bundled in a warm blanket, watching Home Alone over and over and over. I have some updates for you guys. So, remember my girl, Anissa Weir. Oh yeah, from the Slenderman Stabbing Murder. For those of you who don't know, you can go back and listen to that episode. I think it's like my second or third episode. But if, uh, quick summary, um, Anissa Weir along with another girl, stabbed their best friend at the age of 12. They left her to die and were set on finding the Slenderman Mansion. Ooh, I wonder if anyone has ever found it. Mm-hmm. Now, I will say that Anissa was way more put together than the other girl, but she was very easily manipulated into murdering a human being. Yes. Now, thankfully, they did not murder her. She survived the attack. But they were both guilty enough to have stabbed her. Now, the attempted murder was in 2014. Ladies and gentlemen, 2014, that was not that long ago, okay? And this bitch hasn't even served 10 years. And she's going to be, excuse me, she's already released. Yeah, she was released on, I believe it was September 10th. So the girl wasn't even in jail. Let me, let me explain this to y'all. She was not even in prison. She was housed at a mental institution. So this institution claims that she's learned all that she could from them and she's ready for the real world. Now, how about she's ready for prison time now? She has done her time at the mental institution and now she should go to prison for trying to murder somebody. Are we on the same page here, y'all? Or am I missing something? It's so crazy to me. I just, oh gosh. Hide your kids, hide your wives, everybody hide because she's free. But yeah, I'm pretty angry about that. I don't know where she's at. I don't know who she was released to. Of course, they didn't put any of that information out there, but yep. 
Now another update I have for you guys. Literally, I just realized all the updates I have for you today are, they make me angry. Cause here's another one. All right, so another crime or story, developing story I've been uh, trying to inform you guys on, but you know, like once a case reaches a point where you have a suspect or someone in custody, it really slows down. Like it really slows down and it's just a waiting game. Aiden Fucci, who I've mentioned previously, who he is the alleged murder suspect in the Tristan Bailey case, who if you don't know who that is, she was a 14-year-old girl who was stabbed over 114 times near her home in Florida. Um, he was recently seen over a Zoom hearing, I believe it was his pre-trial hearing, acting very distraught. Yes. Mm-hmm. So he starts by rocking back and forth, and, and then he starts saying, quote, What the hell is going on? I don't want these demons to take my soul. He then continues to look around him and starts talking to these demons. Now, I've been keeping up with his trial, and on many other occasions, he seems like a normal teen boy with the look of fear on his face in his past pre-trials. But now he's putting on a show, because I can guarantee... <clears throat> oh, my voice cracked. <laughs> because I can guarantee his lawyer is going to have him plead insanity. And honestly, he should. Because no sane person would actually commit a murder as awful as he did. Just saying. What do you think about that? That's insane. Literally acting insane. <laughs> I mean, I'm not surprised. Because... What sane person would stab somebody 114 times and go home and sleep at night? Like, I don't get it. But also in regards to this case. Now, in the past, and I think I did mention this, but if not. So yeah, I'm not sure if I talked about this before, but Aiden Fuji's mother was taken into custody for aiding in concealing evidence. So on the Fuji home video surveillance, yes, they have cameras in their home. I guess to watch your kids if you're working, right? I don't know. Anyway, so from the family residence, there are cameras inside that they have been watching or watched. And they had recently released a video of the mother washing a pair of Aiden's jeans in the bathroom sink. Well, they just recently released more of that clip. After the mother washes the jeans, she then goes downstairs into Aiden's room and there is I believe a sister of hers and a nephew and or older son I'm not sure they didn't identify those individuals and their faces are blurred but the mother then goes to the woman says something you can tell they are super concerned somebody said and again not sure if this is true but while this video clip is going on is when police were taking Aiden into custody for questioning the first time the mother also takes the son, the older son or nephew, not sure, into Aiden's room and then they both come out looking completely like, what the fuck do we do? Yeah. So now people are saying that they should charge the whole family because the mother just showed them, you know, evidence that he did it. Maybe he had bloody pants or something and they know. So now they're concealing the truth, right? Do you, Can you get charged for that? Accomplice? Is that accomplice, maybe? I don't know. But yeah. <clears throat> but that's the last I've heard of his. Um, they didn't end up having the pretrial hearing because he was acting all crazy. Kabongles, whatever you want to call it. 
it's a show y'all he's putting on a show um it was actually quite hilarious i hope if he really has mental issues he gets the help he needs but if he was acting like that in the real world at school i'm school doesn't you don't i work in a school like if i saw a child acting strange like that you're you're gonna pick up on it for him to be acting the way he has so hopefully we'll hear something about more of that but uh they did have to reschedule his pre-trial hearing so i'll keep my eyes open if any more comes out on this case um last i heard they still didn't have a date for his postponed uh pre-trial hearing until further notice so maybe they want to get him mentally examined now or i don't even know but you can watch that clip online just search aiden fuji pre-trial hearing and you decide you decide that's all i'm gonna say about that now then there is the case that a lot of you because we live in this area but a lot of you uh were shocked to hear the two young girls that were murdered in delphi indiana the two girls were on a hike. Um, the girls were Abby and Libby, and they managed to snap a photo of a man walking towards them and also caught his voice on video. Now, they had taken a suspect in for another case and then tied him to possibly being a suspect in the Delphi case. His name is James Brian Chadwell Jr., and nothing has really moved forward. I think they're still trying to build a case, but... Chadwell has asked for a change of venue, stating that he cannot receive a fair trial in Tippecanoe County, Indiana, since he is now going to be investigated for this Delphi murder case. So we shall see how that turns out. Now, the only thing I have to say about that is, so once you have a suspect in custody, the less you hear, I guess that's better, right? Because they're building a case, hopefully finding things that can tie him to it. I believe he was taken in for keeping a young girl from his neighborhood locked in his basement and he sexually assaulted her. Yeah, so I wouldn't put him past him. But that's all I have from the Delphi murder case update. Like I said, you guys, I like religiously check every single day, especially for this Delphi case. Like I just want justice to be brought I don't know if the families know, but, like, the public doesn't even know, like, what happened to the poor girls. We can assume. We've heard it's awful. But they've never released anything. So, I hope they know what they're doing. And, honestly, it's one of the first times I've heard of a crime so brutal, and yet they haven't released much about it. Other than that photo she took on her phone, on Snapchat, and the video clip. Which I truly feel, and I said this in my episode about it, I think there's more video. But for some reason, they're keeping it. I'm sure y'all want me to talk about this next one. And this isn't really an update, and it's actually like a new case that has come up on social media. And I am going to speak briefly on it because my heart goes out to the girl and her family. But at the same time, there are many, many, many 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 other cases just like this women missing we've all heard it in the news we've all seen it on twitter we've all seen it on tiktok every single place i'm talking about the once was missing persons case now turned into homicide case gabby petito and yes you guys it is petito not pepito y'all had it trending on twitter as Gabby Pepito, come on. Here's what I have to say about this. So this case 
became popular in the media or in the media. Yes, it started with the media. Because first of all, the girl was a blogger, YouTuber, so she had a, a small fan base already. And they noticed because she would post like all the time on her social media. She was traveling with her fiance. Not sure if it was her fiance because claims that they broke the marriage or broke <laughs> broke off the engagement. But they're traveling cross country, stopping at all these national parks. You can check out her Instagram or his Instagram and it looks like they're having the time of their lives together, right? Oh, so in love. But this is the biggest lesson and reminder to you people that not you. I'm not talking to you, mi gente. I'm talking like in general to the social media. Not everything you see online is what it is, okay? Especially those couples that are like, oh, here's me and my man. Two-month anniversary. Love you, baby. Those are the ones that you're like, mm-hmm, we know. So yes, don't believe everything you see on social media. When I tell you there are some disgusting humans out there just throwing information out there about this case, when a poor young girl's family is trying to find answers, how do you sleep at night? Like, that is so... I don't even know what to say. <laughs> so I'm not even going to say much about the case. If you want to know about it, literally just go look online. But be careful what you listen to or believe. Um, But long story short, uh, this girl Gabby and her fiancé, Brian Laundrie, they left on July 2nd. Uh, to travel like I said she quit her job and they went to go travel help her blog or YouTube career bloom right now I'm not gonna give too much detail I'm only gonna tell you what police have released because this is an ongoing case he's still missing he's gone he's missing in action but I understand the interest that people have with this story I understand why true crime fanatics are going bonkers and want to solve this because we've all seen this before. We've all heard this case before. We've all heard this story before. And we feel for her. At least I do, you know? I want them to find out what the hell happened. I believe she's actually being autopsy today. So hopefully soon we will find out what happened. However, like I mentioned before, I wish every missing person case was this huge every single time. But I'm still glad people put pressure on Brian Laundrie and his family. But was it too much pressure? So yeah, on August 25th, Gabby posted an older photo of her with an odd caption. Mind you, she's on a trip for her blog and she chooses this old photo of her holding a little pumpkin. Now her family said that they truly feel that she did not post this picture. Some of her family is also claiming that they received some questionable texts from Gabby between August 25th and August 30th. Her last message was uh, sent on August 30th. It was just a simple text. So the text message just said, no service in Yosemite. So that's it. Now this text message was sent on August 30th and her family believes she did not send that text. Now on September 1st, Brian Laundrie goes back home to where they lived and also um, where his parents lived because they lived with his parents, I believe. But he was alone. Gabby's family reports her missing on September 11th. So, days later. This dude has been home since September 1st. So, police immediately go speak to Laundry, and his parents hand police these papers from their attorney and shut the door, and that's it. Now, the Petito family are begging for the Laundry family to say something, anything, and yet they stay silent. 
On September 17th, the Laundry family call police to their home and tell them, you know what? We haven't seen our son since September 14th. So now we have two missing people. And I think this is when people get completely outraged. It just doesn't make sense. How can his family be that quiet unless they know something? So people are pissed and everyone starts talking even more. However, Brian Laundrie is still not yet labeled a suspect. So on September 18th, authorities are searching an area in Venice, Florida with more than 80 miles of hiking. And at the same time, authorities are also searching in Grand Teton National Park, which was the last known location Gabby was. The next day, on September 19th, the remains of a woman matching Gabby's description are found in Teton County, Wyoming. They notify her family, but like I said, the autopsy wasn't going to be done for a few days after. So even though they have said that the description matches to a T, they still need that DNA confirmation. On September 20th, Brian Laundrie's home is searched and his parents are taken out by federal agents. On this day, Utah police release a 911 call made about an incident with the couple. The caller explains that he saw Laundrie slapping the girl and then driving off with her in the van, still hitting her. Now, when police release their body cam footage responding to this call after pulling over the van, you can clearly tell Gabby's distraught upset has been crying but she takes fault for everything she says she has anxiety and ocd and that brian gets frustrated with her sometimes this absolutely breaks my heart because those are all signs of abuse now police see scratches on laundry's face and neck and ask if he wants to press charges against gabby what the fuck? So they end up making them split up for the night to take a mental health break. She says nothing's wrong, he says nothing's wrong, so the police are like, y'all are crazy, take a mental health break, don't see each other for the night. And after that, nobody knows what else happened. So we now have a body, a missing fiance, and they still have not labeled him as a suspect. But hopefully, after today, after the autopsy, they'll have a cause of death and hopefully they can label him a suspect. People are so quick to throw out info without having the facts. And I will say to you, real true crime fans, when a case like this pops up, we saw the red flags immediately. And after hours of watching true crime, at least for me, I was like, I can solve this. I can help solve this shit. But seriously though, if you are just messing around with this info and don't have good intentions, then be like the Laundry family and shut the hell up. Because as for Gabby's family, I hope they get the justice they deserve and the answers that they want. I, I know I said I didn't want to talk too much about it, but a case like that enrages me. And I know a lot of people are saying she's a white woman, the media is going crazy because she's a white woman, but as a, tr a real true crime fan, I don't care what color she is, she's still a human being. It sucks that we can't always get this kind of coverage with anybody who is missing or found murdered or anything like that because look in such a short amount of time, like I couldn't even keep up with this story. I started writing about this as soon as I heard it and daily had to erase and change things or research things and 
And I still don't have everything because I don't know what to believe. I can't believe everything I read on the internet. I can't believe everything the news tells me. So it's a waiting game. We just have to wait. Another story that I've been keeping up with very similar to this is Lauren Cho. And if you don't know who that is, then you should look it up because they haven't found her yet. And she's still missing. I'll give you a quick summary because I want to get into my listener stories that I have been promising y'all. Um, but Lauren Cho moved from New Jersey to California, the California desert, eight months ago, looking for a life of freedom and new possibilities. She was 30, and on June 28th at 3 p.m. in the area of Hooper Road and Benmar Trail in, Morang- er, in Morongo Valley, she was last seen wearing a yellow t-shirt and jean shorts and was on foot. Here's the shady part. So her friend Cody Oral is the last known person to have seen her. Now these two met in New Jersey and they used to date. They were both staying on a friend's property and on the afternoon of June 28th, he went into the bus that they'd crossed the country in and she walked off. There is a 10 minute window there where she kind of just disappears Um, and Oral has no idea where she was. Now according to the sheriff's report, Oral calls for help about 5.13 p.m. Cho got upset and walked out into the hills between Yucca Valley and Morongo Valley. So he tells his friends that they need to find her and they need to help him. So he calls their circle of friends for help and when they couldn't find her, then they call police. So they tell the sheriff that she didn't take her phone, water, or food with her, which I find very strange. They searched in the hills and found absolutely no tracks anywhere. Now, according to the sheriff's spokeswoman, Jody Miller, she told the New Jersey media that there is no sign of foul play and Cho is considered voluntarily missing. Now, her friend Oral thinks that she got into a vehicle with someone and left with him. He said that on Sunday that she was supposed to go out and meet someone and wasn't really saying who and he didn't want to pry too much into it, but of course now he wishes he had. Remember, these two used to date before. Just saying. Just saying. I'm not, I'm not, you know, allegedly. I'm just like allegedly all over this case. (laughs) I'm not getting in trouble for it. Now, I do want to say that a body was found around the area, but details haven't been released about it, um, including if it's male or female. Her friends do think that she was dating someone or talking to someone, but they have no info on it. And she's, like I said, she's just vanished without a trace. So yeah, if you want to look more into that, um, that's just a brief, brief explanation of what happened. There is a lot more to look into. But again, there's also a lot that's missing and nobody knows what the hell happened to Lauren Cho. So I got some listener stories. I'm excited to read these, but I do want to say a lot of you want to stay anonymous and that's perfectly fine. I told you guys that that was fine. Now, this is from someone who was one of the first to send me a story, (laughs) Um, but she has a podcast that y'all need to go listen to. It's called Distinguishing Demons Podcast, and if you love Ed and Lorraine Warren or anything to do with Ed and Lorraine Warren, you want to listen. And she has a very, very calming voice. And she also does listener stories too now, and those are my favorite, so go check her out. Distinguishing Demons Podcast. So she said, hi Lore, 
Okay, so I'm a huge believer, and this is one of many stories that I have. Girl, keep sending them in. <laughs> so ever since I can remember, I have been surrounded by paranormal activity or phenomena. My mom, there's something about her that attracts it. So if she's around, better believe something weird will happen. Girl, my family too, so I feel ya. She told me so many stories from when I was too young to remember of me just chilling as windows slammed up and down or lights flickered through the house from no known source. We have so many photos in our photo albums of the ceiling or the walls or a random corner because my mom was trying to catch a photo of one of the lights in the house we lived in when I was around three or four. I honestly don't have much memory of things happening until I was about 13 when we moved to just outside Nashville, Tennessee from Cheyenne, Wyoming. My mom wanted a fresh start and my brother and I were young enough to be excited about leaving everything familiar. We had to move in with my grandparents for the first couple months while my mom got settled into a new job and saved for our own place. During that time in the grandparents' home, many, many things happened. Right away, sleeping in the house had me all kinds of on edge. Of course, my Nana said it was just adjusting to a new place. Girl, I've heard that before. <laughs> the grandparents to this day will not admit anything abnormal is in that house. Everyone else, though, disagrees completely. My very first of countless experience experiences was a very cliche one. I was 13 We'd been in the house maybe a couple weeks. I remember being petrified as a kid of my blankets. No, don't say that. <laughs> this is like my worst fear. All right. <laughs> Sorry, guys. I remember being petrified as a kid of my blankets being yanked off of me because of that horror movie trope. But let me tell you, it's not just a trope and it is petrifying when it happens to you. No, I'm going to have nightmares. <laughs> After we moved into this house, every single night I would lay there begging my subconscious to let me fall asleep before something scary happened. Usually I did. Sometimes I'd hear weird noises that Nana always explained away as normal house noises. Sometimes I would feel like I wasn't alone. But up until that night, nothing tangible had happened. As I'm laying there trying desperately to fall asleep while simultaneously pushing thoughts of shaking beds from horror movies out of my mind, I thought I felt my blanket move. It was one of those big comforters that are heavy enough to stay put, but kind of slick so they slide easy. So I thought, okay, that was definitely my imagination, but I forced my eyes open and looked around. There was always light in the room because there was a really bright street light that shone in the window so I could see clearly nothing was in the room. I lifted my head and scanned one more time to be sure convinced myself I was crazy and laid back down. Then, in a very smooth, slow-motion kind of way, the comforter started to slide down the bed off my body and eventually into the floor. I was frozen stiff. I was so scared. I couldn't cry or say anything or move. I was terrified. Girl, I'm terrified too! <laughs> I must have succumbed to exhaustion shortly after because I don't remember anything else happening and I don't remember waking up and finding my blanket on the floor. I think I remember assuming my mom or Nana had put it back on me before I woke up. 
or that it never happened in the first place, but not too long after that something else unexplainable happened and it just continued and escalated from there. I still don't know for sure if that particular experience was paranormal, but I do know enough other things happened that I wouldn't be surprised if it was. If you'd like, I'd be happy to write in more stories. Yes, girl, please. I have way more from that house and many adventures with my mom over the years. Her and her paranormal magnetism. And to leave you with something a bit scarier than my first experience in that house, I'll tell you one of my moms. She's experienced way more intense things than either me or my brother. And we still blame her for all of it. So over the years, this house has been sort of a home base. Anytime any of us, me, my mom, my brother, cousins, whatever, need a place to stay temporarily, we go there to that house. So we, you guys, I just scared the shit out of myself. <laughs> so I'm recording in my studio and I have the door open. I never have the door open and I look down the hall because like you can look right out this door and like my basement is long. You can look out and I just saw an arm move over there and there's nobody over there. <laughs> All right, I'm going to keep reading for you, okay? I'm keep reading for y'all to hear this. So yes, sorry. <laughs> I just scared myself. <laughs> so we have about 25 years of stories at this point. In 2012, my mom lived there while going through a divorce. She said one night when she was in bed reading, she felt something lift the blanket off her feet and then what felt like a hand close close over her foot softly and then release and disappear. She told me this story the day I moved in after a breakup of my own as she was moving out, leaving me there all by my damn self. Thanks, mom. Yeah, mom. Nice job. <laughs> oh no, I'd be like, take me with you, mom. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed my little tales. I'd be happy to send you more if you'd like. Thanks for letting me share. Stevie. All right, this came from an anonymous person who says, Hey Lore, love the show, keep up the good work. You know how people are afraid of closets? Well, I have every right to be. I used to live with my grandmother in a home that was over 100 years old. Ooh, me too. My house is, well, my parents' house is over 100 years old. Isn't that crazy? I'm surprised there's not more ghosts in this house than... <laughs> but we've lived here quite a while, so... Old homes are very creaky and noisy. That's the truth. <laughs> In my bedroom, I used to have a closet that was very long and only had one entrance on one side. That kind of sounds like my closet. In order to reach the back of my closet, you have to stick your arm in pretty far. Well, one night, I reached my hand in all the way into the back to grab a sweater. When I did this... Somebody grabbed my elbow. I immediately yanked my arm back and shut the closet door and ran off. My grandmother didn't believe me and said that maybe my arm had brushed against another shirt. But I know what I felt. Somebody grabbed my elbow. My grandmother checked my closet and there was nothing there. I hated going into that closet. Now that is something straight out of a scary movie, y'all. <laughs> Be careful. Be careful, reaching in your closets tonight. This next one's from also an anonymous listener. Oh, no. They say that I can say their initials. So this comes from S-L, I guess. I'm just going to say S, okay? This comes from S, and they say, Hey, Lore, love your voice. Oh, thank you, because I hate it, but a lot of you seem to like it. <laughs> you can call me S. 
I've been listening for a while and find it very strange that your family can also feel things as strongly as my family can. Maybe it is a Latino thing and we are open to feeling and seeing more than the average human. I would love to hear more family stories as well as serial killer stories. That was sweet. And yeah, I don't know. I brought this up in my last episode with my sister and cousin and niece. Um, Yeah, that feeling that we get when we feel something strongly or sense something. You know, it's so normal to me and it's so normal for my family to talk about it that it's normal, <laughs> if that makes sense. So to hear someone who's like, I don't feel anything. I don't understand what you're feeling. Like, I just, it's so weird to me. <laughs> All right, one more. I have a short little creepy story from someone named Marisol. Hi, Marisol. How are you? <laughs> and Marisol says, a few years back, I lost two of my beloved dogs. Oh, I'm so sorry, Marisol. The night I lost both of my dogs... I felt something on the bed with me that night. It felt exactly the way it feels when my dogs would jump on the bed and sleep with me. Oh, I'm gonna cry. I'm gonna cry. My dog sleeps with me too, and I just um she turned five this year and I had I had a lot of trouble with it. I don't want her to get old and she is getting old. I love you, Lolo. <laughs> You really are going to make me cry, Marisol. I haven't even gotten through the story. <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> I'm crying. <laughs> All right, I'm going to get through this story. So she says, where am I? Okay. Sorry, guys. <laughs> Just anything with dogs. Like, I can't. All right, sorry. So this experience happened for weeks on end. I want to say it lasted for three months. And then one night, it just stopped. I was never scared, and I always assumed it was my babies. But to this day, I've always wondered if anyone has ever experienced this with a lost pet. You know what the weird thing is? So, okay, my uncle had a dog. His name was Benito. He was, he had some, like, brain issues. So, like, he kind of acted out, had a bad temper. He was, he was not a pit bull. I think he was, like, a... Maybe a pit bull boxer mix. I don't remember. I really don't remember. I just remember he was a cute dog, but kind of scary. <laughs> he was mean whenever he wanted to be. But for some reason, he was really attached to my brother. Now remember, my brother can feel things, sense things, all that. So, I don't know, maybe this dog like knew that and felt close to my brother. But he really liked my brother. He loved him. I remember he'd be like all over him. Yeah, so they an incident happened and the doctor told them they had to put the dog to sleep because he was just going to get more violent or mean. And so they did. And I remember they called to tell us because we loved the dog. The dog, when he was good, he was a great dog. So I remember they called us to tell us and my brother, he, he, he kind of took it a little bad because he really liked the dog. And he said that night... I don't know if it was that night or a night after that, but when he was sleeping on his bed, he felt just the way Benito used to come and lay his head like on his lap. He felt that on his bed. And in the same way you felt like 
Marisol, the same way you felt like you weren't afraid, you knew right away it was your babies. Like, he, my brother knew it was Benito, like, coming to say hi or coming to say bye. And who knows, maybe they were saying goodbye, you know, and spending their last days on earth with you. And, mm, okay, <laughs> I can't talk about this anymore. But thank you for sharing that with us. Um, yeah, I I can't think of losing my baby. I mean, she's my everything. <laughs> um, so yeah, thank you for sharing that story with us. That's all I'm going to share with you guys today. I just wanted to make this Freaky Friday a little bit longer since I didn't put out an episode this week. Please forgive me, y'all. But it's been a hell of a week. And if you're a teacher, you know exactly what I'm talking about. I came home yesterday and I slept from like 4 to 8.30. And I wasn't even like sleepy. I just was exhausted. Like my body is just exhausted. (sighs) Teachers out there, I'm praying for you. But anyway, it's Friday. It's the weekend. I'm going to enjoy my weekend. Do nothing. Absolutely nothing. It's fall, y'all. I'm wearing a big old hoodie. I'm so happy. Thank God. Remember, if you have some stories you want to share with us, anything, anything, guys, just send them. Always email me at creepycheesmith4u. That's the number 4YOU at gmail.com. Or you can message me on Instagram at creepycheesmith or Facebook groups. Just search creepycheesmith and twitter but not gonna lie don't really use a twitter but one day it'll jump start right does anybody use twitter anymore i just i don't know (laughs) and uh tiktok don't forget to find me on tiktok i've been a little less active on there but i've got some good ideas coming up for halloween halloween hey i love halloween yeah so i will see you guys next week with a New episode of Creepy Chisme. Gracias por escuchar y nos vemos pronto. Creepy Chisme is created for entertainment purposes only. Thank you for listening and don't forget, stay creepy.